0: I'm Caitlin Bloom, and welcome to Talk Therapy to Me, where we learn to practice self awareness and self care and meet our individual needs. No couch required. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Talk Therapy to Me with your host, Caitlin. So excited you decided to join me again today. As a reminder, we're doing a series on anxiety, and this episode is a kind of a continuation of that conversation. Honestly, there's so much we can talk about when it comes to anxiety, how it manifests, what it looks like based on different experiences, and even different ways to cope with it. Today, I wanted to talk about the relationship between trauma and anxiety. You may be thinking, wow, okay, so we're coming right out the gate with this one, Caitlin. And yeah, I'll give you that. And also encourage you to think that something can have negatively impacted you, resulting in potentially harmful or isolating behaviors. And it's important to talk about. It's important to recognize these things so that we can continue to heal and grow from them. And that's on trauma. Let's break that down a bit more. What is trauma? I know many people who will automatically go to the worst possible thing and define that as trauma. However, there are so many different levels to it. Something to remember is that we all respond to things differently, and something that negatively impacted us may have had a different effect on someone else. That doesn't mean it is any less traumatic though. Just a full reminder. Trauma in and of itself is an event or experience, and it can range from unpleasant interactions with someone, even witnessing a traumatic event or experience, or repeated or extreme exposure to an experience or event itself. Again, important to note, and I'm saying this to just like really hammer it in, everyone's trauma and reaction is different. Do not discount your experience in a given situation. If you were negatively impacted by something that happened to you, you don't need to prove to someone else that it was traumatic. Full stop. Sure, there can be different levels, as I mentioned before. If that helps you, it's okay to think about stress and trauma in lowercase s and t versus capitalized s and t. However, I don't want you to use that to compare your stress and trauma to someone else's. Again, emphasizing that. Doing that comparison is not going to help you offer yourself grace and compassion, and that's really important. If you don't hear anything else, I say, hear that. It's important to give yourself grace in order to heal. We're all on different journeys, and it's okay if your journey looks different from someone else's. So with all of that said, let's go back to what happens when we experience trauma and stress. When the brain encounters stress and or trauma, it's programmed to send out signals to help the body protect itself. This is an adaptive response in moments of serious actual danger, things you perceive as dangerous, all of that. When a person encounters something traumatic, the body will initiate a fight-or-flight response, which I'm sure you've heard of, and the scientific parts of that are made up of two important substances, a hormone called cortisol, which is your stress hormone, And a neurotransmitter called norepinephrine. So I know that's a lot of words, and let's break that down a little bit more too. So you're not like disassociating from me talking about this. Among its other functions, cortisol mobilizes glucose, which is sugar, for your body to use as fuel. And that is helpful if someone is getting ready to fight or run away. So it all kind of connects there norepinephrine has effects on the brain that promote alertness and vigilance. So a heightened physiological body-based response to stress can develop with all of these stressors in a traumatized individual, especially if the trauma happens at a young age. So all of that to say is that all of these things work together in our bodies to try and protect us. And that's something else that you can do, to offer yourself grace and compassion is remembering in those moments that maybe with your full faculties, like, oh my gosh, all my logical thought, rational thinking, you may not have that in that moment. Because your body is going into protective mode. It's not going into rational mode. Let me think about all of these scenarios and options that I have. No, you go into survival mode. And that's something really important to help people who have experienced trauma to offer themselves grace. Because when you realize that your body was just doing what needed to be done to get you to the next moment, to get you safe, then it helps you forgive yourself for how you may have responded in that situation. So individuals can go on to develop really heightened stress responses to environmental cues that are in fact not dangerous at all. And this is where all of that can become problematic and distressing and you're just kind of stuck and you're not feeling safe. You're not feeling secure. Most of the time, these can be also defined as triggers And those can look different for everyone, too. Um, Some examples are maybe it's being around the person whom you endured unpleasant experiences with. Maybe it's continuing to think about and relive that traumatic experience. So you are, in all intents and purposes, re-traumatizing yourself by going back over and over and over the event. Sometimes it's even certain smells, sounds, and particular areas, environments, houses that can trigger that stress response. When exposed to acute danger, including trauma, a fear or stress response in the brain and body initiates the fight-or-flight mode, as we've mentioned before. And just to reiterate, this fight-or-flight mode prepares the person to protect themselves and increases their chance of survival. The areas of the brain that are most involved during and after a traumatic experience include the amygdala, which is the fear center, the hippocampus, the memory center, and the prefrontal cortex, which controls your executive function and cognitive abilities. To give this a more well-rounded look, let's take a look at the Window of Tolerance I mean, just use your head since, you know, you're just listening and I'm not showing you an actual handout. However, think of a literal window. The window of tolerance is a term used to describe the zone of arousal, either hypo or hyper, in which a person is able to function most effectively. So, when people are within this zone, the zone of tolerance, the window itself, They are typically able to readily receive, process, and integrate all of the information and otherwise respond to demands of everyday life without much difficulty. Also, when a person is within their window, it's generally the case that the brain is, again, like functioning well, can effectively process stimuli, And when you absorb information, you're not reacting to it in a stressful way and you're able to be calm and collected. That person is likely to be able to reflect, again, rationally, make decisions calmly without feeling either overwhelmed or withdrawn. Those are pretty important characteristics to note. During times of extreme stress, people often experience periods of either hyper or hypo arousal. And let's break those down since I've mentioned them a couple times. Hyper arousal, otherwise known as the fight or flight response, is often characterized by hypervigilance. And that's kind of just like, oh my gosh, I need to watch everything, like what's going on. You're just not relaxed, you need to know what's going on. You kind of feel paranoid, feeling on edge is probably a good word for that too. And it's feelings of extreme anxiety, panic, could be panic attacks, and racing thoughts. On the other end, arousal or a freeze response can cause feelings of emotional numbness, emptiness, or paralysis. Individuals who have experienced trauma or really intense stress experience anxiety in a variety of forms and like I mentioned if you're in the hyper arousal state your increased anxiety may lead to a lot of worried panic attacks trouble breathing if you remember what we talked about like how your body responds in a previous episode sometimes too anxiety can look like the hypo arousal as well where you are experiencing avoidance of social situations. One of the pillars of treatment in all of this is to break that cycle of avoidance. Avoidance is naturally reinforcing and then helps us feel safe because you're avoiding anxiety provoking situations or thoughts to experience that decrease in anxiety. However, This cycle can become particularly impairing if it's left untreated. So just like with everything, there's a balance. Of course, it's appropriate to avoid certain situations if they're going to just throw you out of your window of tolerance. The window is a good way to look at where you're at, to check in with yourself. Okay, am I getting really overwhelmed, triggered by whatever is going on? whoever I'm around, what can I do to bring myself down so that I can continue on with this experience? So with that said, each individual's window is different. Those who have a narrow window may often feel as if their emotions are intense and difficult to manage, so you may just be feeling a little bit more raw. Others with a wider window may be able to handle more intense emotions or situations without feeling like their ability to function has been significantly impacted. So again, it's another way to check in with yourself. What can I do to kind of like lower my anxiety and stress response at level zero without getting to level 10 and I'm completely overwhelmed and out of it. Some things to remember is that the window of tolerance can be affected by your environment Again, like people are generally more able to remain within the window when they feel safe and supported. It is possible for individuals who have become dysregulated to use techniques. So we've talked about like all of these different things that can push you out of your window, like what it looks like in the window. How do you stay in there? How do you regulate yourself? Grounding and mindfulness skills are so helpful with this because they help you remain in the present moment. And that's another thing to remember about trauma and stress. Where is it taking you? Most of the time back to the place where you experienced or witnessed that traumatic event. Is that really gonna make you feel safe, supported, and secure? No. So finding a way to get yourself grounded, back to your center, whatever that looks like for you, is going to be the most helpful. Like I said, mindfulness and grounding is going to really help you focus on those physical sensations that are currently in the moment being experienced. So you're not being thrust back into that traumatic event. For example, you could listen to your favorite song, Whatever Brings You Back. You could even... I. Personally, going back to the music, I will listen to classical music when I'm overwhelmed because that helps soothe me. Some people are annoyed with classical music, and that's, you know, we could argue about that, but that's yours. And you might have something else that helps bring you back to your center, and that's okay. Whatever that looks like, whatever works for you is what you want. And if you feel like you don't know what yours are or what any of that is they can be learned in therapy like your a therapist can help you figure those out what works for you what doesn't and maybe offer some insight and suggestions on something else that could work better for you many people are able to widen their window of tolerance through healing going on their different journeys and growth journeys and that just helps increase their sense of calm and they'll be able to deal with their stress in more adaptive ways, more functional ways. Therapy, of course, is a way that can provide someone with a safe space to process painful memories, emotions, help you figure out triggers, help you figure out ways you can use mindfulness and grounding to help bring you out of those like stressful feelings. And when you come in contact with those emotions that come up for you, having a mental health professional help you become more regulated instead of dysregulated can also help you feel more supported. For specific mindfulness walkthroughs, I have a couple on my Spotify that are the Guided Lake or Tea Meditations and also, check out our YouTube channel, Mindsight Behavioral Group, for videos from Shayla involving some routines and exercises you can practice on your own. Try them out. See what works for you. Honestly, you, again, you could even listen to your favorite song and just really get into that. Do some deep breathing. Just try anything out. I'll plan to talk to you next time and get into more stuff about anxiety maybe even break down some very famous characters we're all familiar with and how anxiety has manifested for them in ways that connect to us. Thanks again for joining Talk Therapy to Me with your host, Caitlin. Talk to you soon.